When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports Preds Nashcast, aka a liberal plot to destroy hockey forever. I am your host, Alex Darty, and I am joined by my co-host Chris Link. Welcome, Link. We are about to destroy hockey forever, at least for fans of the Nashville Predators. How are you doing today? Uh, okay, well, first I think we can both agree that the Nashville Predators destroyed hockey for Nashville Predators fans. That's and we're, that's we're, we're just here to finish the job. That's probably true. We're, we're not we are not the executioner, we are merely walking the dead carcass of the hockey team that we follow uh, to the uh, to the funeral parlor to be to be buried. We are merely the messenger of the carcass of this team that we have been so miserably watching all season long. Is that is that a fair assessment? Is that a good well, analogy? Maybe that analogy is a little dark. Maybe, maybe, well, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm hyped now. Um, let's 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 go and head head first. Uh, <laughs> well, we will it, not turn from the darkness that was the season. It just seems like there's been a lot of. It it really feels like this season is this season has concluded in a different way, right? Well, I I might say yes, but also to be perfectly honest with you, the 2019-2020 National Predators hockey season kind of ended like I thought it would end roughly around late October, November, when this team sort of settled in, weren't just scoring endless goals and winning games 6-4, 6-5 all the time. It was a team that had the same problems across the entire season. And the most amazing thing about that is that despite the fact that there was a coaching change immediately, like, was it week, two weeks after the Winter Classic, which was supposed to be like this high point of the team's like, history. It was, like, it was like the next week. It was like seven it was, days. It was eight, not eight, long eight. after. Uh, and you have a new coach come in and they change play style, but yet they do not fix any of the problems the team had. And yeah. then you get into the playoffs after this huge long break and everyone's like, oh, they can have time to gel. And they had the exact same problems they had in October of 2019 Nearly a year later, what, nine, ten months later, the same exact problems. Uh, it's, it's like when they make it's like when they make a bad movie like Spider-Man and then they make it bad again. And they're like, oh, wait, I, I didn't like this. Which, the first I'm time. sorry. Which? Yeah. Which Spider-Man? All of them. Which, all the Spider-Man. Spider hey, the first the two <laughs> first two Tobey Maguire ones were good. And all the Tom Hall ones have been those, good. Those are the ones I'm talking about. All those Spider-Man. I, look, I, I should we're we've already derailed the show so let's just go ahead no 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 no. this is important i don't like marvel i don't like comic book movies anyways so they're all oh crazy. oh well never mind they're not for yeah. you they're not for me right exactly okay so. no worries <laughs> okay no I t- no no that i'm totally on board if you were like a comic movie fan you didn't like any of no, them no, no, like no. none of the spider-man i'd be like i don't get it i have liked a few comic book movies over the years i just it's not my thing it's too no okay no i get yeah. i get it well, no we've problem. already derailed the show, but here's what we're going to talk about <laughs> anyways. Uh, the Preds, of course, lost in four games to the Coyotes. We will, we are going to discuss that and how the series was ultimately went down. Uh, were the Preds actually good in the series? How did they lose it? There's a lot of confusion there. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Um, they scored fewer goals. They scored fewer goals. The draft lottery. Congratulations. The Predators did not get the overall prize, but they still have their highest pick since 2014, which is when they drafted Kevin Fiala, who, by the way, is in Minnesota now. Uh, So we're going to talk about that briefly. We'll touch on that just briefly. Uh, The team also had their season-ending press conferences, and we are going to talk about this mammoth gap between how the players feel uh, about the season and the loss of the, the series loss. And how David Poyle feels about it. And where John Hines is kind of like in between somewhere. He's just like placating both sides because he just got here. And he's only been on the job for seven months. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk about the future. Where do the Preds go from here? Because this, to, to me, this feels like a, a pretty solid conclusion of 
what has been a what five year successful run of the national predators it feels like we are we are definitely stepping into a new generation so to speak um uh, the only thing that would make it more feel like that is if Pecorine was actually retiring this year. Uh, but since he will be next year, will, he will be around next year. It'll feel a little bit different. But um, I almost kind of wish he wasn't so that like we could have a clean break and feel like, okay, this is the year we can separate and divide. But anyways, we're going to talk about all that. So uh, let's back up a second and talk about how the Preds lost this series to the Coyotes. I'm not going to go through all the games. We, we all watched them. Uh, of course, it ended in like the most just anticlimactic uh, way possible in an overtime goal with that Brad Richardson scored, which was just like, I didn't even know he was still playing. And Oh, wait, it was that Brad Richardson? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe I should look that up. I actually don't know. Who, I, like, I, I feel like Brad Richardson is the name that's been in hockey forever, so maybe it's a different one. Uh, but No, it, I, think it, I think it is. Okay. Um, yeah, it is. I, I guess just I thought it was. Brad Richardson. All right. Are there other Brad Richardson? Yeah, no, it was, it was not Brad Richards. Originally thinking of Brad Richards. Yeah. But no, it's Brad Richardson. Yeah. He's been around for a long time. A lot of different teams. Yeah. Journeyman. 34 year old center. He scored, you know, six goals this year in the regular season. Uh, And he scored anyways, with an overtime goal to end the predator season. Uh, It was just like a deflected goal. That was just kind of nonsense. And uh, it went in and the season was over for the predators. So, so that happened, and then the, I, I have some things that I think are true about this series. I have three statements that I think are true, but I want to get your take first. Uh, what what are you know? You said that the the season for the Predators ended in the way that you thought it would. Uh, what, how did you how did you see this series play out? What did you think about all of it? Uh, it was the mystery going into that series was whether or not the Predators could fix the problems they ended the... this they, 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 with the forced end of the season. If they could fix those, if they could address those. Uh, things like defensive structure and good decision-making with the puck uh, and you know, really looking for progressive plays when they're moving into the uh, off- offensive zone, moving through the uh, middle of the ice. And I was looking for those early on uh, and, and and frankly, game game one, I already was seeing them break down in the ways that I'm used to seeing them break down. Yeah. Uh, and and they just even when they were playing well, you could tell that the potential is there. But they just d- were not going to fix the problems. They couldn't fix the problems for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. So game four comes and goes, and the Predators they came and went. I, I think it was with barely a, a barely a whimper. Um, What's so weird about this team is how remember how they used to be so excellent in transitioning from the defensive zone into the neutral zone. Well, but uh, how many how many elite puck moving defensemen can you strip away from a team before they can't move exactly. the puck anymore? Exactly. So like they used to be good at that back when they had PK Subban. Back when they had Roman Yossi doing that a lot. Back when they had, uh, well, I mean, even before that, when they had Shea Weber, who was actually pretty good at that, even though he didn't, he did a lot of other things too. Uh, and now it's just Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis doing that. And they're playing on the same pairing, so yeah. there's no options. If they're not on the ice, then you have to play a different style of hockey. So, do you have two guys playing a totally different game than your other four defensemen? I, probably. I mean, that's what I think that what the Predators were doing. Because yeah. Ekholm and Fabro certainly couldn't get the puck up the ice with any consistency, right? And so the defensive, the defensive breakdowns, I think, start there. Uh, and then you know when they can't transition well, then the other team that's forechecking a lot, like the Coyotes were, uh, put the pressure on and create turnovers. And uh, you have one Craig Smith turnover that ends in a goal. You have another one by, uh, I believe it was Rocco Grimaldi that led to a goal. I mean, there's uh, there's there's a lot of these that just happened over the course of the series that. This is what happens. You have, a, and this is, I'll just go ahead and get to my three things that are true about the series. Three things that are true. Number one is the Predators were the better team at five on five in almost every statistical category. And I'm, I mean, just they were, they had a higher rating in all these and shot attempt percentage and high danger percentage. A lot of transition data shows they were better. But it, in, in moments, go ahead. What? Okay. So I, I want to just talk about real quick the better five on five team. Okay. Cause this is something that has been, and I, I it's going to sound like I'm repeating myself, but I think this is a point worth making. 
there's this weird been this weird phenomenon with the advanced stats with the Predators this season. And I've been watching it for nearly an entire year now with the delay from from the pandemic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the, the they keep coming out of these stretches of, of games and like, oh, you know, their expected goals are pretty good. And, you know, they're they're a little bit unlucky with their shooting. And like, I'll just look at a whole bunch of charts that someone will post on a daily basis. And the Predators are always like really good, but unlucky, really good, but unlucky. Their shot quality mm-hmm. isn't great, but they're still just unlucky. Okay, could they have been that unlucky across the entire course of the year? Absolutely, but it's highly unlikely. But the thing that continues to sink this team is that they're really good going forward, but they lose their defensive structure super quickly. When they make mistakes, they make mistakes in dangerous places to give really dangerous opportunities. So the other team only needs one or two high-danger chances a game because that high danger chance is usually a really, really good one. It's a one-on-one with a goaltender or a two-on-zero. Uh, or or you have yeah. like Rocco Grimaldi trying to skate backwards and cover two guys who are passing across the center of the ice. You know, it is it is almost like it's where you have to transcend the advanced stats to start like thinking about what you're seeing in the games. And that's where this is. It's these discrete mistakes that the team cannot seem to fix. And that is infuriating to me yeah absolutely infuriating uh, th- th- that's a good point i i still think i mean if, if you look at it like if i mean in a very pragmatic utilitarian way and not to get philosophical here but basically if you're doing more good of something and less bad of something then the net result is good then that's a good thing in that result they are good i mean they're, they're better at five on five because they had more attempts for and they had less fewer attempts against the problem is like you said there was there was a lot of a lot of luck against them and there it i don't think that five on five only was the only way they lost the game i mean they they certainly made mistakes in in certain crucial areas they didn't respond well uh they took penalties at poor times that kind of thing but let me go my my second thing that i was going to say is true about the series their special teams was improved the penalty kill was better and the power play actually found some success that's crazy that they were a pretty good five-on-five team and they got better at special teams. We would have all thought that this team getting better at special teams and still being a good five-on-five team, that they would sweep the Coyotes. Instead, they lost in four games. Yeah, well, when you take a ton of penalties, yeah, it's one, they you know, take- it may, they took a lot of penalties, so it's maybe going to make your PK look a little bit better, especially when you're not playing against, like, a super elite offensive team. I mean, the Coyotes have some offensive weapons. Like they have, you know, Phil Castle on his last tire. You know, obviously Taylor Hall is an elite forward, but they don't, they're not exactly like stacked. Right, right. No, I, uh, I totally agree. Yeah, they're not stacked. Yeah. I mean, so look, look at how they're losing to the Avalanche. I mean, they're down. Th- no, I think they just won a game, but I think they're going to lose the Avalanche pretty easily. I mean, I very much favor the Avalanche in that matchup. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the Avalanche are what two one up. So so. Um, and they've looked like the better team for sure. So. Yeah, I think they are a, a, a certainly a more interesting team. Oh yeah, for sure. And then the, the third thing that's true, and this I think goes to what you were saying earlier, is so the first thing was the team is better at five and five than the Coyotes. The second thing was they improved their spe- their penalty kill. I'm sorry, their, their special teams. And the third thing is that they were just doomed to fail because. They did not address their biggest problems that they've had for years now. Defensive play, secondary scoring, and this idea of mental toughness that John Hines has been talking about from day one that I guess Peter Laviolette just like, he didn't care about that, I guess. Was he he just like... Well, he does. I mean, Peter Laviolette's a big mental toughness guy. I mean, he's really into the toughness. Right. Uh, I I don't know. That's the thing that, that I find perplexing. Is there a mental aspect to sports? Absolutely. Can you get into your own head? Yes. Does losing and struggling cause stress that causes your performance to, to struggle? Yes. I mean, these things are all the case. How a team gets a new coach, fresh lease on life, lease on life, take some time off. You've got, you're going up to the Coyotes, a team that you should be able to beat without really pushing yourselves to the limit. Uh, I really think it was the the, the Predators series to lose. I, th- I I don't think that the Coyotes beat them. I think the Predators 
beat themselves. I, I really think they beat yeah. themselves, and that includes coaching, that includes management. I mean, top to bottom, front office to ice, they beat themselves. I mean, I, I, you can't blame the equipment manager or the trainers, but like all the decision makers, I blame every all of them. Well, let's go ahead and jump to the 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 the, the fallout from this because I, we were going to talk about the draft next. We'll we'll bump that and, and good, get to that third, but. So, because this naturally feeds into the idea of mental toughness and the, the mental side of this game, because there's something very um, peculiar. Um, I don't think it's that uncommon. I think it happens in sports where the players come out at the end of the season and think, oh, we were really good, but we didn't do it. And then the management thinks otherwise. But this, this, was, this was such a different contrast between this team I, that, I've, that I've ever seen. So let's just rewind for a second back to, let's see. Um, so after the 2017 cup run, the predators were like feeling pretty good about themselves. And I don't think anyone would have blamed them to keep the team back together. You know, I mean, that was a great run. Uh, they went and signed Nick Bonino, which was a decent signing, even if it was a, a bit of a high price. Um, and then they, in 2018, of course, or, yeah, tw- in 2018, of course, they lose to the Winnipeg Jets in game seven. They were pretty good. After that, they felt, you know, we still need to keep this team together. We feel pretty good about it. But they, you know, had obviously taken a step down. Then in 2019, of course, they lose the Dallas Stars. And what did we all hear was, keep the band together. We like this team. We don't want to lose anybody. And David Poyle obliged. He kept everyone together, except for made a couple depth moves that I don't even think meant, meant anything. And then now the team is saying things like this. Um, Benino, Nick Benino said after the game, uh, with our captain hopefully going to win a Norris trophy and several guys still in their primes, we're still in ours. We're still in our prime. Uh, Forsberg, Phil Forsberg says that changes to the roster are inevitable with the salary cap, but he thinks the main group will, will remain the same as it should. Um, then there's F- Philip Forsberg talking about, uh, his chemistry with Ryan at Johansson and Victor Arvidsson. It's like the chemistry never left. Well, it did, Forsberg. Remember, that's why they weren't around is because they, that line was not producing much of the year. Uh, part of it was because Victor Arvidsson wasn't around. Uh, so the chemistry did leave briefly. It was there in the Arizona series for sure, but uh, could have been in a much better position if that chemistry had been there all season. Um, and then things like uh, uh, Nick Benino says, uh, where is it? Okay, a little, the little things in the game make a difference, especially in the playoffs. We made big strides in that as a team. Um, you know, wait, wait, wait. Let's pause it because the team did not make strides in that. That's part of the reason okay. they lost because they didn't yes. improve those things. Those little things were what. Uh, mattered I mean, most. Yeah. That's the, like that's the thing driving us about player quotes is that all these quotes and even the quotes from Hines in this were all saying the same thing. It's like the team had a meeting. They said, when you go do your exit interviews with the media, yeah. here's the here's the party line. Here's what you say. Everyone out, everyone went out there, did their duties, said what they're supposed to say. They're be, they're party men. Yeah, I, that, I, that's I, what it is. It, it it like that's the thing that's discouraging is they came out there, they said a bunch of platitudes, they said stuff that's basically always true. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a team that loses or like does it? Because that's the other thing. And I'm getting all worked up. You can probably tell at this point. This is a team that technically didn't make the playoffs this year. Right. Right. Technically speaking, the Predators lost in the play-in round, did not qualify. Now, I my earliest predictions, I think, had them as a bubble team at best, and I actually think I didn't have them making the playoffs. I was, I think I had, did I fall in that direction? It's been so long. It has been a while. It has been so long. I honestly can't remember. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I ever believed in this team this year. That's that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a long time ago in time and also in like in life moments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we, were, when we were record face to face with me having a coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, not to belabor the point, but I do want to b- mention this as well because uh, Matt Duchesne uh, had basically like a weekly uh, radio sh- radio uh, spot with um, the Three HL on one hundred four five uh, local mm-hmm. radio in Nashville, and uh, I. I just wanted to read some some quotes here because I think some of these are even more infuriating than the than the canned uh, quotes from um, from guys like Nick Benino and Philip Forsberg. Which, by the way, I got those from Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton, who I think Brooks Bratton is the only Preds media person that was even allowed at the bubble, which is a whole other issue. But, uh, anyways, those are those quotes came from them. So the the Matt Duchesne comments. He started by saying things like, "I don't think much was off." 
Uh, you look at the way we played. We played some of the best hockey we played all season. And he talked about tweaking some little things here and there, uh, but then ultimately saying it just wasn't meant to be. And then he said things like this. I really think that guys are going to have fire in their bellies come next camp, uh, which is like, I mean, I know they say that every time, but it's like. Here's the thing with where, with the team's problems, the the players have this really convenient out because nothing Duchesne said right there is untrue. The team has a lot of little tweaks that it could make to suddenly be elite. But the question is, is are they capable of doing that? They have not demonstrated the capability and the management needs to demonstrate their ability to fill the player gaps that it clearly exists in this team. And we'll talk, I know we'll talk about that. So I won't dive into, into, yeah. into that topic quite yet, but I just, we're you know, being given a-, a lot of platitudes. I'm, I, I'm tired of platitudes in this organization. And that's what we've been getting for every season since the Stanley cup final. We've been platitudes. There was a quote from, uh, I, I'm going to try to look it up at some point tonight and, and, and read it. Uh, but there there was a quote basically talking about from a, this is from an, an article that Adam Vingen wrote for the Athletic, uh, where he was talking about uh, basically an, an, uh, another representative, some some quote from some unnamed GM saying something about how David Poyle had made a lot of good signings, but had probably not looked under the hood of a lot of these players and looked at like their sort of mental acuity or their like maybe their who they were as people necessarily. And I think that there's something to that because you look at a guy like Matthew Shane. I know that signing made a lot of sense. But what were the reasons that he wanted to sign here? I mean, like, if, if you were to name the three reasons, I bet one of them is that he likes Nashville. Is that oh, a yeah. reason? Is that a reason yeah. you want someone to be on your hockey team, like for a professional hockey player? I mean, so yeah, you can. I mean, if you lay it out, it, number one reason is he wanted to live in Nashville. He made it. He he made a career move right. to move to the city he wanted to live in. Uh, number two was probably the Predators looked pretty looked reasonably competitive. So you you probably have a right. chance at a cup, um, you know. And then three was probably no no you know no tax on his salary. Yeah, I mean the payday the payday is not the, no money. yeah no no state taxes. So you know you're you're gonna see a lot of your money, um, and the cost of living is probably a lot lower than than other highly competitive teams he could have played for. I mean, uh, Duchesne could have gotten a contract for probably a, at, at a team that was above the predators in terms of quality and, and you know, he was looking for the lifestyle options, which as a professional, I can't blame him for as a hockey fan. It, 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 I just don't feel like he came here for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. It, I have, I found the quote by the way. So that this is from Adam Bingen's article about David Poyle or it's actually about the, uh, yeah, no, it's about, it's about the pressure being on David Poyle. The quote is from an agent and he said, uh, that they're, meaning the Predators, buying the name brands, but not looking under the hood a lot of the times with their acquisitions and in their signings. They have these contracts with Johansson and Duchesne and Turris, which are basically impossible to get out of. You can't move these deals. They're stuck. They're deadly. You can't really change the face of the team. Totally true. I mean, you can't disagree with any of that. Like, they, they can't just move, what is that, $24 million in three players? Like, that's impossible to move. Hmm. I mean, you can maybe get rid of one of those guys, but if you're going to trade all three of them, you're basically going to have to sell your entire farm system in order to to get rid of those guys, and then you're stuck yeah. for like five years. Yeah, the cost of the cost of moving out those contracts is too expensive for the team. But and that's that's sort of um, to a degree that's that's a little bit of Poyle's career. You know, he's been in the, the GM game for a long time, I and mean, he's one of the longest, like, continuously active general managers in NHL history. Not just the Predators, but like he's he's jammed two NHL teams, and he's been in the league for twenty seven years, thirty like something 35, years, 30, 35, Yeah, I thought I thought twenty seven. It's like thirty something, thirty plus years, yeah. and he's only had a couple sniffs at the Cup. And granted, okay, Washington, th- that's a team that's always you know had its competitive years. It's ebbed and flowed like any other team. The Predators, it was all about keeping them afloat until the past five or six years mm-hmm. so you know and and he's in his late 60s early 70s at this point yeah so you know he got he has to really be wanting a stanley cup but he's also really at the very end of his career mm-hmm. i mean the stakes for him are the stakes he's probably kind of terms with dozens of times when he's not won a Stanley Cup. I mean, he's more used to not winning Stanley Cups than anything else in his life. 
Um, yeah. So, so what's it, does he really have the fire? Does he really have the the um, dynamic oh, decision making abilities to build what the predators need to be to win championships? So speaking of Boyle, he does. Right. Speaking of Boyle, to, to conclude the, uh, the the sort of bookend of the of what I was saying earlier, the the, the players came out very positive. I know you said it was like kind of uh, re- rehearsed party line kind of stuff, but. Um, David Poyle, who is basically the, the party leader, uh, who says things like, we are not satisfied, we are going to make some changes, all options are on the table to make our team better for the 2021 season. He said, again, it's very clear to me we need to make some changes, and bottom line, this is unacceptable. He also mentioned uh, there, there's a lot, uh, there was a lot about youth movements. There was a lot, of, I thought that was interesting. He kind of unprompted brought up about a, a lot of youth, uh, a lot of the youth in the Predators organization. Um, I mean, that youth has been sitting in milwaukee for months some of these kids showed up to training camp and just wrecked everything in their path put on had great uh had, had great showings and just never got more than like a sniff yeah even with injuries but i think i think that i for, i know it doesn't mean anything now i i do think that's going to change I, and we'll, we'll talk about it with the roster moves uh, that we'll probably see, but yeah, it's uh, gonna I, change I, out his hand. Everyone's like giving him like, oh, he's finding a scooter. I'm like, yeah, because his hand's been forced. He can't yeah. afford to bring anything else on board. He has no choice. Yeah, exactly, because he only has nine million dollars. <laughs> it's not leadership when you don't have a choice. Like the guy who's <laughs> like, well, I guess we got to go jump off the cliff because there's no way out of this situation. It's like, congratulations, leader. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm not really. I don't think people really expect Poyle to be a leader. I think they just expect him to make make the right decisions, right? Maybe that's well, part of you know, it. Maybe, I mean, he, he's the general manager. He's in charge of running the hockey team and running the the, the, the support staff. I maybe mean, he just needs to be a quiet leader like Roman Yossi, be the quiet <laughs> captain. Maybe that's his problem. Yeah, how, how about we uh, we make we make Ryan Ellis captain and promote Yossi to GM and just make everyone everyone happy? <laughs> uh, I bet I bet Roman Yossi would be a pretty good GM. Actually, I wonder, has, has there ever been an NHL or an NHL skater who's also GM of the team at the same time? There's been coaching. There's been coach skating coaches, the coaching the player same. coach. Probably is there, the is there a player GM? I want that. Probably like in 1909 when you know Arthur Dimwitty was the player coach GM of the Montreal Macaroons or something. <laughs> I made up all those names, but uh, it's all right, Macaron. <laughs> all right so let's talk about uh let's, let's before we touch on the future of the preds let's well we're gonna mention the future of the preds right now because we're gonna talk about the draft so the draft lottery was last week or the following monday um the predators did not get the number one spot the new york rangers did uh it was a 12 and percent chance not very good um and uh but they still got uh they could still find some pretty good talent at pick number 11 and by pretty good talent i mean like a player that if not immediately within a year, we'll probably be playing for this team. I mean, that's that's the kind of level you're talking about. Kevin Fiala mm-hmm. um, was the last number eleven pick. Uh, he was playing by 2015, I think. I mean, maybe not regularly, but um, so I think that the key here is they are going to have to draft offense or at least draft a forward. Uh, they probably will at some point draft in that draft a defenseman and maybe a goalie. I doubt it, but. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some there's some good names in there. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll probably have the draft coverage uh, podcast sometime in the future, I would imagine. Um, but I don't know that the that we really need to expect uh, a whole lot. I, I, these are these are names like um, the guy that I think that they probably will draft which, if he's available would be Anton Lundell, who's a, a Finnish player, um, and Jack Quinn has been mentioned. Seth Jarvis has been mentioned. Jake Sanderson, a defenseman, has been mentioned. Yeah. But, I, when you're picking like this and when you're not looking at angel ready guys, you just think of, okay, what are we going to need in the next two to five years? Uh, and where do you, what's the ceiling on the guy? If, if you have access to a center, who's got a top six quality ceiling and he's a couple years out, you probably want to always go for that. I mean, the Predators has been trying that for a few years <laughs> And they're showing how difficult it is to land that that great center, uh, but it doesn't mean you stop trying because you d- you do need to have quality centers. And some of these guys are going to convert to wingers, of course, their career. So yeah, sometimes you may get get more than you had initially thought. 
Yeah. Um, I, 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 but I do think they'll draft a forward. I think that they'll, they'll have to, they'll, they have to, I mean, like the, the, the drop off after Tomasino and Afanasiev, um, is pretty, pretty drastic. I mean, like there's some good players there, but they're not, they're certainly not, uh, franchise changers. I mean, I don't even know. Yeah. If there's a lot of, a lot of role players, a lot of, a lot of good, like a, a lot of quality talent that, you know, maybe middle six at best, which is yeah. not bad. I mean, that's that's where you got guys like Craig Smith and, th- and and the like come up. But yeah, nothing is really going to be the face of the franchise in all likelihood. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Craig Smith because now comes the part of the show where I tell you how Craig Smith has played his last game as a Nashville Predators forward. Uh, Shut and- your dirty mouth, Alex. <laughs> so uh, Don't I you wrote, dare say that. I wrote an article last Friday where I identified where I think are six players that I think will not be likely to return uh, next year, just based on where the team seems to be going, what we heard in the post uh, post uh, press conference stuff, and just where the numbers are right now. Um, uh, one of those, of course, we already know is definitely not coming back. That's Dan Hamus. He's, he retired, uh, so. Dan Hamus is gone forever. Uh, Yannick Weber is another one, I think. I think that there's no reason for Yannick Weber to be around anymore. That He's been this like de facto seventh defenseman for a long time. And if you're really wanting to make changes, there's no reason to sign that guy even for like uh, $750,000. Like, you, you don't have a lot of money to play with here. Um, to back up for a second, the Predators have a have about nine, $9.3 million, which is a pretty – that's not a lot – because of the flat cap, they were hoping to get a, an increased cap where they could have a few extra, but they don't. Uh, so Yannick Weber probably gone. Uh, Corbini and Holzer, uh, you, if, if you're a, just a casual Preds fan, you probably don't know, even know who that is. Uh, <laughs> he's the guy that they traded Matt Irwin for, uh, and then he played three games, and we never saw him again. Um, he won't be back. Uh, and then there's the big three. So... I do think that Craig Smith will walk. I don't think there's any chance they re-sign him. Actually, I think I think Craig Smith probably doesn't even want to be back. You know, at this point, I you know I talked about this a little bit on Twitter. It might I mean for a guy like Craig Smith, he could very well be looking at his last professional contract. Yeah. Uh, depending on how long it is, right. and if he takes a really attractive contract, so something maybe for a little bit less money than he's than he could get. And he may, he's with a really con- good contender, but it's a contract that if something goes wrong can be moved really easily. So you get like a no movement clause or something in there, so you can make a list of teams you can be moved to. to. Yeah, you know he could really set himself up to try and really make a few runs at the cup as a as a, as a uh, like a journeyman forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's kind of the, the best thing I think for him. I don't know if. Locking himself into a contract with the Predators, he's going to have to take less money. And you know how this team is with giving out any type of trade protection. You have to re- you have to be Pecorine or that's it. They, they the, okay. And the other thing is the Predators have gotten, I mean, what I think is some pretty incredible value out of Craig Smith. I mean, he, he is, I mean, I don't know that he's the most valuable in terms of, in terms of like uh, how much he's cost and how much he's brought to the team. But he's pretty close. I mean, they they've had some contracts that are like when you look back on it, just really stellar. I mean, the the first the first uh, you know non uh, entry level contract he signed was just two million a year, and then after that it just went up to four and a quarter for a twenty million dollar. I'm sorry, for a twenty goal score every year. Uh, he didn't do that every year, but he was pretty close to it. I mean, a guy that's going to mm-hmm. give you two hundred shots and twenty goals pretty consistently. Maybe in 2015 that was a little bit high, but by the end of that contract, like you can't pay for, you can't get 20 goal scores for four and a quarter anymore. I mean, it's like six. Yeah, he had some. He had an off season or two where he was struggling. It was mostly just because he's a shot volume guy, and if you're not, and that if the volume isn't going your direction or the yeah. percentage isn't going your direction, um, it can just be rough sometimes. But it's like a player like him. Like I always call him like sort of the 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 lightly lightly discounted Patrick Sharp. Because he's like ninety percent, eighty five percent of what Patrick Sharp was yeah. for um, Chicago for years, uh, and those kind of players, those kind of team players, super consistent, not super flashy. I mean, those guys are where you kind of look to to make things function when your stars aren't firing. Right, right. Uh, and it's gonna be big to lose him. So yeah, I think he walks. I think he probably will go somewhere also where he knows there's. Um, 
you know, obviously a good chance to win. Uh, maybe maybe go somewhere where there's a little bit more uh, typical centerman that he can play around because right now he's just kind of being <laughs> shuffled around all kinds of stuff. He's playing with Nick Benino. He's playing with Kyle Turris. He's playing with a you know Magic Shane's playing there. You know. You know, I thought Craig Smith had a good season given that he spent the entire time with Benino and Grimaldi. Yeah, exactly. I think if, if he wants to go, I mean, can you imagine a guy like that playing? I, how many goals would Craig Smith have in his career if he played his entire career with Sidney Crosby? Oh, well, oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. If he like, played his whole career with Sidney Crosby, wow, yeah. I mean, Sidney Crosby made like trash players look like elite scorers exactly or, so I mean, yeah i mean okay, how about this alexander barkov with florida oh, like, that's that just guy. that's that's doubly brutal because that was the guy the predators were supposed to draft exactly so like th- there's there's players like that that you're like if that x if x you know great center had just a shoot first winger that had speed and could could shoot every you know was gonna have five six shots a night that's craig smith i mean he could go to edmonton and play with Connor mcdavid he could go to he could go to St. Louis. I mean, he, he could go anywhere. If he went to St. Louis, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty bad. Uh, well, oh yeah, that would be rough. Uh, you know where he's going to go? He's going to go to Minnesota, and he's going to score like. Oh. Um, I mean, he is a Amer- he is an American college hockey yeah, player, so exactly. it only makes sense yeah. that or the Rangers. Well, he's, like he's from, he's from Wisconsin, right? I mean, I know it's not Minnesota, but he's up from that area. <laughs> yeah, he's from he's from basically you know he's from the the less good Minnesota, yeah, you know, Wisconsin. He's from Madison. That's right. Uh, all right, so. Um, Anyway, so Craig Smith's gone. I think I think the only one that they have a chance of signing is is Mikhail Granlund, but I don't know that that the money's there because I, that guy's going to be due over six million. They only have nine to spend, and they've got they're going to have to sign like you know several people. So yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I think you just have to let Granlund walk. I think I think it's the right decision, honestly. The only reason that, that they don't let him walk is so David Boyle does not have to completely embarrass himself with that trade. And that's the only reason. It would be a completely uh, self-preservation. No, I mean, he doesn't – I mean, he, I don't think he cares about that. He he took – he flipped Shea Weber for P.K. Subban and then, then flipped Subban's contract for a bunch of trash. Well, and Davis who – or Davies? Sorry, I'm used to saying Davis from, from – uh, I don't. I, okay. Spurs. I don't know that you can say Duchesne is trash, but he's. Uh, no, he didn't. Uh, okay, let's let's let the deal was not for for Duchesne. Duchesne it enabled Duchesne. It might as well have been. The but it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, and it wasn't. You're right. But it still, the optics of, and I'm talking about the optics, not yeah. like the Duchesne thing, because the optics yeah. were you flip Shea Weber, who everyone in Nashville adores, who could do no wrong. For Subban, who was then flipped for for peanuts, mm-hmm. and he didn't bat an eye. Yeah. Now we can, if you want to know why he didn't bat an eye, it's because he knew he was getting Duchesne, yeah. which is questionable based on the you know CBA and the rules of the sport. Um, <laughs> but no, he, uh, he, he told us definitively yeah. he had not met Matt Duchesne prior to that moment. So yeah, they'd never spoken. Never spoken. He's never he heard of him. He never. he'd never. He didn't even know there was a Matt Duchesne playing ice hockey. He just knew he had a bunch of blank cards with uh, silhouettes on them in front, and just said, "Who is this person? I don't know who this Matt Dukeney is." Uh, yeah, when he's like, "Oh, John Tavares isn't isn't that isn't that the lacrosse player?" And we're like, "I guess, yeah, basically." So the sixth player. All right, someone's so- gonna really, someone out there's really gonna love that joke I just made. I, Somebody will. I don't get it. I don't. I don't Somebody's gonna it. love that. I guarantee it. <laughs> Mikhail Granlin is the only one that I think could possibly sign. I still only give it like maybe a twenty percent chance. And then the other one I think the one way back is Kyle Turris. I think he can't. He he has to do something there. I, I, look, Kyle Turris, a nice dude, uh, really really fine player to talk to. I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't bring a ton of like uh, you know off ice charm or anything but he's like he's incredibly nice and he's like uh he's just a good dude he's got a really good uh, really good uh situation good really good vibe about him um so i, did, I have this picture in my head of Grandlin just signing a contract with minnesota <laughs> <laughs> yep that's coming that's coming he's gonna go back there and they're gonna have kevin fiala and mikhail Grandlund. yep you're right. line together and they're gonna score 30 goals apiece. yeah you're right about that and then phil forsberg gonna sign with the washington capitals when he come, when he leaves <laughs> all right so kyle Turris, i think will be gone uh i don't know how that will happen i don't know if it'll be a buyout i i know people are really hesitant about buyouts 
but I mean, paying only. Uh, the, the, yeah, the argument is pretty strong, uh, but it's also betting. It's also betting against the future and the cap finally going up. But the cap's been pr- struggling to r- raise over the past few seasons, and the flat cap makes it even harder. Like well, it's, it's been about two million a year, right? And that's what his buyout hit would be is two million. So you're basically saying. And you know you're obviously banking on this COVID situation not not hurting things too much longer, which is not not something that I would want to do. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? But if if the increase in the cap has been about two million, the Cal Tourist buyout is is exactly two million a year for for eight years, which is a long time. Uh, and that's that's what you're that's what you're dealing with. But you know, um, I think it's got to happen, man. I mean, there's just they don't have enough. If they're going to do all this this youth movement, and let me, let me let me bridge to that for a second. So Poyle alluded to this youth movement of having uh, Tolvanen get a good shot. He mentioned Tomasino. He mentioned Pitlick. Uh, I don't think he mentioned Afanasiev. I think that might be maybe a couple years away. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, he's still junior, so it's. So, but but these young forwards that they have that you know he mentioned wanting to bring them up, and I I think it's about time. I mean. If those guys are in the system, Kyle Turris isn't. Because Kyle, other than that, he's yet again another $6 million uh, fourth liner that gets scratched, which is just – if they keep doing yeah. that, that's insane. I'm just looking at the, 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 like the non-roster list, and I, I'm just like getting reminded of when people were like, oh, Daniel Carr is going to do something for this team. No, and I'm just like, I guys, think, no. I don't think other people were. Maybe some people were, but I think that most of that uh, was Predators saying that. Because they were like, "Oh no, Daniel Cards, he's AHL leader goals. Don't you know? He's this is the this is our this is our dark horse. This is going to be oh, our man. Parkinson is Daniel Carr. They're non the list of non. I didn't realize the list of non roster defensemen for the Predators was so man. There's because like, you've got Jeremy Davies and Frederick Allard and Alexander Carrier, but Carrier, but nothing like nothing else is going on down there. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they need to like I hope. They need forwards, which is a little bit scary, but they also need to be... I mean, they've got five picks in the first three rounds this year, for this year's draft. So, I mean, getting a couple... Like, getting a, a good high-end-looking forward, a good project forward, and then, like, a whole bunch of defensemen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe what this team needs, because, wow, need, that is... Yeah, you're right. They do need to get some defensemen. Um, but, so, in losing these six players... Now, this is obviously not – I'm just – I'm predicting this. I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen, but this is just what I think. And so if they lose these six players, that's an entire forward line and an entire defensive pairing gone. That is a big turnover from one year to the next. I mean, you don't have a lot of turnover like that in hockey. You don't lose that that number of, like, everyday players from your roster in one – except for Holzer doesn't count. He's not an everyday player. But the other guys are. Um that's pretty. That's pretty massive. I mean, like this. This team has a chance to look pretty different next year, considering they only have nine million dollars to spend this past in, in this off season. I think it's because they'll, they're probably going to play some some younger guys. They're going to sign some cheap contracts. I mean, I don't. I have not taken a dive into the undrafted. Uh, or sorry, the uh, the free agents um, coming up. I have not even looked at that. But I'm, we're going to have to do some diving because they're they're going to they're going to really sort through there and. And probably look at the guys that are like right around a million or maybe just under. They're going to sign like three of those dudes because they need them. They need they need young, cheap contract guys to come in and fill uh-huh. this. Yeah, I mean, or you just you just grab every prospect in your system who can who you think can hold carry some water and throw them in the deep end. I mean, you didn't believe in them last year, but maybe now go for it. I mean, what do you got to lose? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Now, let me get your opinion on this because I, I think I know what my answer is. I think I know what your answer is. Is this team rebuilding? Is this a is this what a rebuild is, or is this a reload? Because I, it, I feel it like can't a be a re. It, Go ahead. It can't be a rebuild if you're not doing something different. Um, like they they let's, are going to have the same core of players next season. Well, let's say that those six players. Let's say that those six players are gone. Is that a rebuild? No. Okay. I mean, like if half of those players are Ham Hughes, 
<laughs> Yannick Weber and Corbinian Holzer. So half of those guys. But the other three are, are players. I mean, the other three are top well, six. The other, the, the other, well, yeah. I mean, the other three are guys who don't want to be there, but it, it, but they're just leaving. So the assumption is they're just leaving. You're not getting anything in return. If it, it, yeah, for tourists, you're actually still paying him yeah, to go play not, hockey somewhere else. Basically, yeah, they're not going to get anything. So, play. yeah, I mean the reason they buy out tourists is because they need to afford to pay someone else. Yeah. Um. Now, if you buy out tourists, then maybe you're trying to keep Smith or Granlin. If you can't keep either of those guys, maybe you just hold on to tourists because what's it gonna hurt? Mm-hmm. Like you're bringing a bunch of youth. Are you really going to be out there chasing free agents? Hmm. Like I, I, I also have not looked at the free agent list, but I, I don't know if you're going to go out there with the number, with the money the Predators have, and find top six forwards to replace Smith, Grinnell, and Turris. Even if you're just trying to find one guy to replace three people, yeah. and assuming the the youth will make up the rest of it. It, it just the, the tools aren't there. I, the 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 thing that worries me most with the team is that they're not in a rebuild. They're not really in a reload. Okay. Essentially, Poyle's hand has been forced by team management, team play, and external economic forces <laughs> beyond his control. Because that's part of it. Part of it is completely, like, the pandemic is completely beyond his control. It's having a major impact on hockey, as it is on so many people. And it just hurts him in that way. Yeah. But I, there's, so he's not coming to a rebuild. Reloading, they don't have the money to do it. Hmm. Because they don't, because they can't, the resources that are desirable, they either can't move. Yeah. I, I mean, if they're really going to rebuild, they need to start jettisoning things that are going to make Predators fans hurt. And the Predators fans aren't going to like that. And the team's going to be really bad for a few years. Yeah. And, and, That's and they a really, rebuild. They, they really can't afford that, especially with like, I mean, I know that they have this this waiting list for their season tickets and everything. And, and we don't even know when they'll be able to be back in the building. But that's pretty fleeting. Like, people will, people will leave. Uh, I mean, I remember when the Tennessee Titans were the hottest ticket in town. I mean, like you couldn't get season tickets to the Titans back in like 2001, right after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't take very long for that to really change. I mean, by like 2006, it was like, oh yeah, we're, we, we don't want, like, no one <clears throat> want to play that game anymore because it's terrible. And then yep. it, it even got even worse a few years later. So like th- this is, and this that's in a football market. So this is not something they need to play with. They cannot, you're, you're right. They, they can't unload everything. They can't, um, have a full tank like a Detroit Red Wings are doing now, or Ottawa Senators. Uh, they can't afford that because they, in a few years, they'll be irrelevant and who knows what else. I mean, they have to. That's why whenever the Predators have rebuilt, I think they they're probably they're probably more doing what you were saying, like a reload, or they've done a very quick on the fly rebuild. Yeah, because it, it's a team that has a history of not being able to afford to be bad long enough to stock mm. up the. The cabinet. I mean, the Predators' prospect system has always been. Eh. It's had it's had a couple of years where it's been really strong, but that was like guys who were not really prospects anymore in a lot of cases, or guys who just didn't end up panning out. I mean, the Predators kind of peaked and then petered out because some of the guys that were the big names either got traded or just weren't clicking and didn't aren't you know haven't made, like Tolman in stock has been dropping. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's twenty one, so he's got time to develop, but his stock has been dropping. Yeah, it really has. And and I also don't think that they need I mean, so like people were someone mentioned something about Taylor Hall. I was like I'd love to get Taylor Hall. Like, okay, we've we've gone from we just need to get one more like scorer to like we need to get one more center. So now we need to get two more centers and getting Matt Duchesne and Taylor Hall and I know Taylor Hall kind of plays wing too, but like no, this is not a solution where it's just like just add another top top player and get him on get him on board like they did last year with Duchesne, like they did with Cal Turris, like they did with Ryan Johansson. Um, that's that's the that's where you really get yourself into trouble, where you are just throwing money at a problem that you can't fix because you have not developed a team the way a team needs to be developed. So, um, so I, that's that's not going to happen. I don't even think they're even thinking about that. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I also think that they're, this cup window that they had, uh, if that's even a thing, is, is 
in my opinion, firmly shut now. I mean, the only way it opens again is if they have a new crop of of players come in and kind of reestablish what their what their identity is. So I'm going to actually, I'm just going to disagree a little bit with that. That is, I don't that think, is allowed. So, you can disagree. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, if it's not, then we're going to have a really weird conversation coming up. Um, <laughs> if the youth coming in can perform at a reasonable level, if some of them can fulfill their potential within kind of the, the you know, the the... Oh man, I'm just blanking on the word. The crucible. There we go. That's what I'm searching for. The crucible of the NHL. And the Predators, and, and, you know, Poyle has enough money to make a few small moves to shore up holes on, say, the defense. I think this team could be dangerous if Hines can get his house in order. Okay. And the team could get hot and make the postseason and do some damage. Now, they are very, very quickly running out of time, and there's a lot of ifs in what I just set up. Yeah, right. A lot of ifs. Uh, so it, it is entirely in the hands of the organization to see if they have one more go in them before things really start collapsing beyond their control. Yeah, well, when we talk about running out of time, like... I mean, it's crazy to think about, but Philip Forsberg is only around for two more seasons. Um, but obviously, Pecorino only has one more year, and then you, they got to sign UC Soros uh, if they're if they're wanting to do that, which I think would be crazy not to. Um, Matias Ekholm will be gone in a couple seasons. Uh, obviously, the top two defensemen are going to be around for a long time. Um, the other the other you know sort of um, depth players that, that I know that you <laughs> tend to. Uh, not care as much about, but Callie Yarncroke, for example, he'll be gone in a couple years. Uh, Rocco Grimaldi, these guys will be gone in a couple years. I mean, these oh no, what would the team do without Rocco Grimaldi? <laughs> so, but uh, pretty soon, I mean, like this, when you talk about running out of time, in a couple seasons, this team will be a shell of what it is now. It will be, it will be about five of the same guys, right? It'll be assuming these guys don't get traded or leave before then. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Ellis, and Roman Yossi. And UC Soros, I guess, that they signed him. So it's like... Well, and we've got an expansion draft coming up. And we've got an expansion draft, right. So the one, someone's going to be gone. Probably Colton Sissons is the presumed uh, target, but who knows. Really? That's what that's what people are saying. They'll probably leave him unprotected. I mean, he's... he's... I mean, oh, yeah, definitely leave him unprotected. But you really think that of the list who is going to remain unprotected, they're going to say Colton Sissons is our guy? Well, who else would they go for? I mean... What if you, what if you had like, I mean, would you be interested if a guy like Kyle Turris was was not protected and only, you're a fledgling team? Only if Seattle needed to, if they did, if they weren't taking on contracts elsewhere and they needed to meet the salary floor, they might do it then. But why would they? I mean, why would they want Kyle Turris? He's just not. I mean, not good. He's not bad. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like he, okay. Kyle Turris I mean, is a is a fine, talented hockey player. He's just not like... Those are the two names I think that it'll be. I think it'll be either Colton Sensons or Kyle, Kyle Turris. I think the only way it's Kyle Turris is if David Poyle uh, incentivizes it. So, I... I mean, there's one option. I mean, but I have to... I haven't looked... I don't know. Are the rules different this time around, or are they the they, same? They have They have said zero about it. They've said nothing? They've okay. literally said, uh, hey, we're going to have a team in Seattle, and we're going to do an expansion draft again. And... Then they were like, and then someone was like, hey, by the way, is it going to be the same exact thing? And they were like, I mean, we already told you that. Yeah, it's going to be the same thing. They they were so glib about it. They were just like, yeah, it's going to be the same exact thing we did last time. You saw how great that was. We're like, well, it wasn't exactly perfect, but okay. Um, Which Okay, so it was seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goaltender, or eight total skaters and one goaltender. So it's like, this this. Who do they? Which which goaltender do they protect? Well, I I, I think it's gonna um, the same. It's going to be the same thing with the un, with the UFAs. So you, they don't have to protect UFAs. So I think that Pecorine will be gone. Um, is the so the expansion draft is for? It's after next season. Oh okay. So Seattle's not playing this coming year. No no no. It's not till next. It's not till twenty twenty one. 
Oh, yeah. For some reason, I thought they were coming in for the next season. No, 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 no. I, they, it's 2021 is what I last I saw. Unless they oh, changed it. How did I miss I that? Anybody. Um, but well, I also think... Don't, no need to be glib. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, Seattle is a, a factor there. But I, I think, you know, they'll end up losing someone like Colton Sissons or... Oh, maybe they'll get him to take Austin Watson. I don't know. um okay so let's talk uh real quick about a couple other things uh i i I think that well i guess we'll just conclude this i think their cup window is is shut uh you seem to be a little bit a little bit more uh thinking that if they can reload in the right way but that their time is running out i think that was a a a good point by you yeah what is what has this team done to us that i'm more optimistic than you about this team's prospects that's true i well i don't i don't know if you're optimistic i think you're like I think you're more just like you're better at maybe reading the, the the sort of leaves and and analyzing things a little bit better than I am, I and mean, I'm just more reacting. But I do drink a lot of tea. <laughs> so uh, we are not going to do the five on five tonight because uh, it's it's the end of the season, and um, I feel pretty good about your progress in that area. If I, you've been a very good five on five uh, player this year, and you just need to tweak a little thing, little few things here and there to to uh, you're working the mental game. Yeah, you're working your mental game. Uh, but, uh, I do want to do the dumbest thing in hockey right now because, uh, there was one thing that happened recently. I don't know if you have anything for this, but the dumbest thing in hockey right now, in my opinion, the dumbest thing is people piling on Tuka Rask for announcing that he's leaving. Look, I get that the timing is odd. Uh, maybe unfortunate, maybe not odd, but the timing is unfortunate because he's leaving like, uh, after playing, after already playing two games in the playoffs. But I really don't blame him uh, because, I mean, if I was – there's this this whole situation uh, is so so completely different than anything. I think the problem people have with it is because he also made these other comments before that, which I don't know if you saw, where he talked about how the um, playoffs have felt like an exhibition game. Uh, he mm-hmm. said something about um, it's hard to get excited for these games because there's no fans in the stands. Um and then there's no, it's just not the same energy, which I understand. Uh, even though it, the product doesn't look terrible. I mean, the product looks about like the same you'd expect in terms of the play on the ice. But I think that's actually what people are mad about because they think that, oh, he just doesn't want to play because he thinks it feels like an exhibition game. I think he has got some family stuff going on. Yeah. Well, and I, I, so in a very small way, and I agree with his decision. I support his decision. I disagree. I, I don't think people should be um, getting onto about it. But in a very, very small way, and I don't, like, if there's something serious going on, I don't know a ton about his reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I get it. Like, a few weeks ago, I'm like, okay, things are, you know, reasonably calm in my area. I feel like I can go to the gym again. Yeah. And I had a, I went to the gym. I had a good workout for the first time in months. I got home, and I was freaking out. I'm just like... There's people in there all day long, and they're not requiring masks. And like, I just started spiraling. Right, right. And you know, there's been no no outbreak. No one has reported getting sick from the people who go to the gym, and it's a small gym. Um, and I just think about someone like like Rask and and the NHL's. They've had zero. They've reported zero positive tests. But I just I kind of understand how the safety gets in your head, and you start weighing the value of what you're doing versus the things that are really important in your life exactly um and so while me it was just thinking about my health and like the health of my fiance um which are very obviously very important you know he's got kids and family and all this stuff and so i just i i just only respect his decision yeah yeah i so I, i think that was pretty dumb um did you have anything on uh the dumbest thing in hockey right now uh, I mean, I, I, so my, my non-serious one is the dumbest thing in hockey is the Montreal Canadiens because they're tied with the Flyers and they blew them out 5-0 a few days ago. <laughs> but for a real answer, um, we're going to stay in the, the wonderful city of Boston because I think the dumbest thing right now is once again, Jack Edwards, play-by-play man for the Boston Bruins, who oh, what did, he, uh, what did he do this time? I don't. I don't. Did you that. not see his his quote about um, Sheshnikov? No, no. She, so Sheshnikov, of course, picked up a a, a big injury. I, I did in, see in the, the injury. No, what did he say? So Edwards said, "This is I'm going to read the the quote. What NBC hasn't shown yet regarding the unfortunate injury 
to uh, Shevnikov is the Carolina wing player, the Carolina wing playing hobby horse riding Chara on the back apron of the goal. You poke the bear, you take your chances. No one wanted to see him get hurt, but he bit off more than he could chew. So there's Edwards coming in with the, you know, he, it was, it was really Shevnikov's fault that Chara injured him and knocked and, and, and took him off the ice. I, how did Chara like, injure him? I don't even remember. I, I, was, it a, was it a hit or was it a? I mean, I don't, I, I, it was, I'm trying, I have to look at the footage. Maybe I just need to watch it. Um, it was, um, let's find Oh crap. We'll, we'll, we'll what did happen? We'll put it up. Uh, but I, I, that guy has always been, um, pretty, pretty old school as they say. I, and, and in other words, um, kind of wrong about a lot of things. Uh, I mean, what else has happened since we last, like we had Mike, we had Mike Milbury say that the, um, the empty stadiums were like women's college hockey games, which was horribly offensive um, and flat out incorrect. What else did Milbury say that was deeply stupid? I mean, it, this is just like a cavalcade of NHL stupidity. Okay, I'm watching the play now, so it, it looks. I don't. I mean, not only is this a, a stupid comment to make, but I, I does. It seems like almost unintentional from Chara. Like they're they're battling in front of the net, and like. Char, he gets tied up with Chara, and they're spinning around. And it's like as as Svechnikov is spinning around, it's like his ed, the edge of his skate gets caught, and he twists his knee. It looks like uh, maybe I'm all yeah. I, th- I thought it was yeah because I, I recall it just being like a normal hockey play for the most part. No, they're just like bat- I mean, they're 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 right next to each other. I mean, they're battling for position in front of the net. But it's like uh, if Chara was trying to injure his knee in that play, he was doing it through like no, black I, magic. He wasn't. Yeah, I think and Edward's thing was like, oh, you know, if if. Shevnikov hadn't been trying to ride him like a hobby horse, it would have never happened. And so blaming, like placing blame somewhere where you don't even need to place blame. Yeah. Having not, having just seen that play, like literally just the first time and seeing how he got injured. I, that's, that's insane. There's no way that he was trying to injure him there. And also, um, it, that's, there's no way that he was, um, doing it because of, of anything he did previously. So dumb, that is a very good dumb thing in hockey right now because that's exactly what that is. <laughs> um, all right, so that's. I think that's kind of. I think we're done. I think that's. I think that's it. We uh, <laughs> we're done. Predators hockey's canceled. We're all going home for the summer. Wait, we've all been home all summer. Never mind. It feels like we had a week. A week of sports. Uh, a week of hockey for Nashville, and then it's it, now we're done until. Hey, well, we have. I, what I didn't realize. <laughs> And this is like, okay, this is this is like the worst thing I didn't realize than anything else. I thought that the MLS's back tournament oh. was the conclusion of the MLS season. Right. It was not. It was just the MLS's back tournament, and the MLS season is still going to ha- take place. Right, yeah. Because uh, literally Dallas and Nashville played in their own COVID Cup. And, and Nashville's playing right now, um, actually. I'm, I'm... Yeah, which I don't even know when, like, the other teams, because they've got, um, I think... Because some of these counted for standings points, so I don't know. I think like the round robin may have counted for standings points or something, because I know Dallas and Nashville are technically behind in games from all the other teams, yeah. so they have to play catch up. I, I, I don't know. It's it's really weird in ways that only the MLS can find ways to be weird. Uh, I, when does I, I will be watching those? I mean, I, it's the only thing I can watch until the, the until the football season is back and the Titans are playing. Um, and the Predators come back with the draft in October, I think October 9th, and then the uh, the, the next season starts in December. Um, still, still got to find out what that's going to look like. But man, it's uh, it's going to be weird. So, um, but I appreciate you uh, you coming back and, and wanting to do another couple podcast episodes in August, which is not usual. And uh, we'll see if we can do this again, you know, next season. I think it'd be I think it'd be fun. If they'll have me. Yeah, right. So let's do it. And uh, you can f- check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sportsnational.com. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Link on Twitter at 3DLink. And I guess we'll see you in December, maybe? Something like that? Yeah. And, and in the immortal words of every horrible hashtag tweet, fan, blog, uh, NHL-sponsored commercial, I think we can end with the immortal words of summer sucks, drop the puck, Alex. Wow. 
That is a terrible, terrible way to end it. I think I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say I'm gonna steal the words. Of- I wanted to be terrible. I know, I know. <laughs> it's supposed to be terrible. I know it is. I know it is. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna take the words of Matthew Shane and say I think that our podcast made strides in the right direction, and I think um, that we, t- we need to tweak some things here and there. And uh, you know, it just maybe this podcast season was just not meant to be. Uh, maybe. <laughs> in terms of what we wanted it to be because of this COVID situation. But, um, you know, I think we need to keep the team back together. Um, I mean, we definitely uh, should cut off some of the, the, the extra weight. Like, I don't know if we need to bring Chris Martell back. And... <laughs> That's not fair. He's not even here to, to defend himself and, and he would, shout. He wouldn't be able to defend himself anyways, even if he was here. That's the beauty of it. All right. We thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.